0: Colt Rogers plopped down in the leather chair, opened the brown paper bag, and took out his supper. Egg salad sandwich on marble rye, chips, a generous slice of cheesecake, and a can of Dr. Pepper. Not a meal to rate very high on the nutrition scale, but one he was anxious to dig into. It had been a long, eventful day, and he was famished. Leaning forward, he shuffled through the notes Devon had given him before leaving for the day. Three related to phone calls he needed to return those he would put off until Monday morning. There was a message reminding him of his seven o'clock meeting with Lance Ford, a stockbroker who was embroiled in a war of wills with the Internal Revenue Service. The last note informed him that Detective Dansler would be here at six. Rogers looked at his Rolex. It was now 5.25. He stood, went to the window, and looked outside. Night was rapidly closing in, those dark clouds off to the east bringing with them the threat of rain. West Short Street was deserted, not a soul in sight. Rogers felt like the only person left on the planet. Standing there, deep in thought, he began to feel a strange heat rushing through his body, scorching his insides. He had the peculiar feeling that his blood was on fire. Butterflies suddenly fluttered in his stomach, a battalion of imaginary winged creatures gone berserk. His legs grew weak and his breathing became quick and shallow. For a split second he was certain he was going to pass out, and he knew why his nerves were so unsteady. Dansler, No secret why he's coming to talk about the Reverend, to stick his detective's nose where it doesn't belong, to dig up skeletons from the past, to uncover secrets buried by the passage of time, to shine a light into dark places best left alone. Rogers struggled to calm his shaky nerves, to get control of his emotions and thoughts. This was no time for weakness. Falter ever so slightly, and Danzler will know, and he'll pounce, relentlessly, until you cave in. Rogers felt as if he were about to lose his supper. He swallowed hard, took several deep breaths, and sat back down. Perspiration dripped from his chin to the desk. The butterflies continued to swarm inside him. Stop this, Rogers silently admonished. Okay, so Dansler wants to talk. Big deal. What questions could he possibly ask that I can't answer honestly? None. I know the Reverend's story, know it by heart, which means I am fully aware of what I can reveal and what I must keep secret. Dansler has only speculation to go up against my knowledge, and that gives me the clear advantage. He cannot win against me. I can handle anything he throws my way. I am superior." Rogers felt his nerves begin to settle and the butterflies disperse. He was ready for Dansler. Let the great detective bring on the questions. Let him probe and dig for my weaknesses. He won't find any. I am superior. At that moment, Rogers heard a knock at his door. He glanced at his Rolex. Five-forty. Dansler, true to his reputation, was eager for confrontation. So be it, Rogers murmured to himself. I am also ready for confrontation. Striding confidently forward, Rogers moved through the outer office and opened the door. Surprise and confusion registered in equal amounts when he saw the man standing in front of him. It was not Jack Dansler. It was... What are you doing here? Rogers asked. The man said nothing as he slowly raised his right arm. In his hand was the most beautiful pistol Colt Rogers had ever seen. What the hell? Rogers said, backing away. Those were his last words before his face exploded. What had once been Colt Rogers' face was now a grotesque mixture of blood, flesh, bone, and brain tissue. One eye, blown out of its socket, dangled down his cheek like a ball on a string. The other eye had been obliterated upon impact. His nose was gone along with virtually all of his lower jaw. Brain matter, blood, and tissue had sprayed across the office to the back wall, where Dansler knew they would likely find the bullet that had inflicted such damage. Mac Tinsley knelt next to the body, his gloved hands bloody from inspecting the massive wounds. In all my years of doing this nasty work, I can only recall two occasions when I've seen such extensive damage to a man's face. Both were suicides, and both victims used a shotgun. Dansler helped Mac to his feet. Any guess as to how long he's been dead? The man's still warm. This happened within the past 90 minutes. The shooter cut it close, Damsler said. I couldn't have missed him by more than a few minutes. Richard Byrd entered the office, glanced down at the body, and quickly looked away. Damn, I could have gone a lifetime without seeing that.